0: Genesis chapter 3, I want us to read the first 21 verses of this chapter. We trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts as we read and prepare us to meet with himself around the table. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the And the Lord said unto the servant, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Well, in our reading there, we trust the Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his word. This morning, I want us to think particularly as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table on The last words of verse 21, where it says, The Lord clothed Adam and Eve. And clothed them, therefore, is our title. Before we go further, though, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. For Jesus' sake, Father in heaven, now, we pray that you will bless this time. We pray that you will get our minds and hearts centered upon what we read, what we learn what we can know of the work of the Lord Jesus through this portion. Lord, I pray that you will help me by the spirits working within my own mind and heart to say and lead to the minds of these, all, only those things that thou hast ordained for their good. We pray that you will bless now the Word. Bless our time. Close us in with thyself. Allow us the ministry of the Spirit of God amongst us, we pray. All in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Before we turn our minds to our text in verse 21, I want us to think for a moment on the statement made in verse 8. And it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden, In the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. The marvelous thought to be taken from this verse. Is that the regular routine. Of unfallen Adam was that he walked with the Lord. In the garden which the Lord had made for him. But this must mean that the Lord manifested himself in a very tangible way so that Adam was able to enjoy the times of communion. In other words, the Lord allowed himself to be seen and known as a person with whom Adam could converse and fellowship. But we have to ask the question, when God shows himself, in a likeness of man for the purpose of communing with man, which person of the Godhead is most likely to speak or offer the word of God to man? Perhaps the answer that I'm driving at is most easily seen when we consider the request of the Apostle Philip in John chapter 14 when he says to the Lord Jesus, Lord, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Well, we ask the question, what was the response of the Lord Jesus? Well, the Lord says, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet thou hast not known me, Philip. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? The Lord is simply stating that the person of the Godhead that is seen among men is Emmanuel, God with us. In the same vein of thought, Isaiah calls the son that was given by the name Everlasting Father. There was union there, and a union that Christ refers to in John 10 when he says, I and my father are one. The point that is to be made is simple, but can be of great import. If the one walking in the garden, speaking to, communing with Adam, was the pre-incarnate Christ, then the one who performed the clothing of Adam and Eve was the same, doing all that was required to clothe them. Perhaps if we think about this moment for just a second that we read of in verse 21 in which the Lord clothed Adam we might see that it serves as a background for Paul's statement which he makes in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Think about it. Here stands Adam and Eve. Here is the pre-incarnate Christ doing what is needful to clothe. So we read Paul's statement. For we groan. Earnestly desiring to be clothed upon. With our house which is from heaven. If so that being clothed. We shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle. Do groan being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed. But clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that wrought. Us, for the self-same thing, is God. It is further to be taken as no small truth that the whole of the redeeming, atoning for, and making a propitiation or covering for sin, all of these have been placed in the hand of the Lord Jesus by the Father. He is Redeemer. He is Sacrifice. He is covering. He is atonement. He is all things that has to do with the clothing of the people of God in righteousness. That would be true at the very first as well as at the last. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end of what? The entirety of God's saving work. John chapter 10 verse 15. The Lord Jesus says, As the Father knoweth me, Even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. The Lord Jesus has been given the task, the work of atoning for sin. Now, the point that I make here is this. The first covering for sinful man was given by the same hand as the last and final covering for sinful man. You see in verse 21 the Lord's death here. You see the whole matter displayed here. This, I say to you, is a mountain of a moment not to be forgotten but shown continually until the Lord comes. It is shown in the form of the types and shadows until he comes the first time to dwell among men. It is shown in remembrance until he comes the second time to dwell among his own forever. Now, we said it was a mountain of a moment, but we should ask, what could we imagine about such a moment holding? Well, I want us to think on two things this morning. First, I want you to see with me the moment, and then I want you to see with me the message. The moment and then the message. Now, there are some points that we can make which require no imagination about this moment in which the Lord Jesus clothed Adam and Eve. What occurred is plainly known. But I want you to see with me a couple of other things that perhaps will jog our minds or direct our minds to what we're trying to say today. I want you to see it was a moment of firsts. It was a moment of firsts. And I will suggest these thoughts and then expand on them. I want you to see then this was a moment where there was the first type. This was a moment of the first type. What was seen, experienced, and received from the hand of the Lord showed without question what the cost of sin was. I think you will see here a definite ministry of Christ. In establishing this picture, establishing this whole matter, the Lord wanted Adam and Eve to see plainly and to know what his sin had led to. And further, you would have to say all other displays of this sort. All these things that went after this moment through the time until the Lord Jesus actually paid our debt on Calvary. All of those types, all of those shadows spoke, or maybe we use the word pictured, or maybe even we use the word forecast. They all said what the Lord would have to do for sinners in order to clothe them in heart. Here is what is required. Here is what it costs. Here is what you have brought this to, sinful man. I also want you to see that this moment was the first lesson in atonement. It was the first type, but it was more even poignantly the first lesson in atonement. Understand with me this. Adam and Eve could never cover themselves from their sin. They tried, didn't they? It didn't work. To shed blood, I I would suggest this to you. To shed blood to cover sin would likely never have come into Adam's mind. Let alone to do such a work. As would meet the need before God. I don't think Adam would ever have come to this. That you have to shed blood, that there has to be death. I think you have here very plainly the Lord setting it before Adam. He puts it before him face to face that a substitute had to die. Further, I want you to see this. And I don't know that we can get ourselves away from this. I don't know how anybody could divorce themselves from this thought. The lesson preached that the covering was personal. God covered Adam and Eve. He didn't just say, I'm going to make a covering. and If you, if you can make use of it, Adam, uh, and you can apply it to yourself somehow, go ahead. That was not at all the, the lesson here. Here was a lesson in atonement. Atonement is from Christ is an atonement in which one substitutes for another but it is always a personal thing and then I want you to see this this moment explained that covering the covering success was based on the covering given not Adam's ability to produce it was what was slain It was what was done. It was what was used to cover that brought the success of the covering, not what Adam was able to produce by himself. You know, here is the whole trouble of Cain explained. Cain said, I will please God. I will placate God. I will satisfy God by what my hands can produce. Abel said, no, sir. I could never produce what is needful. There must be the shedding of blood. That was our lesson. When our parents had to stand there and have the Lord clothe them by the shedding of the blood of the animals, we learned that lesson. Let me ask you a question here because I think many would deny this. Was the gospel of Christ understood from the beginning? Was the need for atonement Was the need for a substitute? Was the need for the shedding of blood? Was the need for God producing both the offering and the work? Was that understood from the beginning? And I'd have to say absolutely. Now were there people throughout the ages that did not understand that? Yes. Did they act upon their lack of understanding? Yes. But the truth was evident from the beginning. And so I say it was a moment of firsts. But I also want you to see this. It was a moment of frightfulness. I want you to think with me for just a moment. Did Adam and Eve see what had to happen for them to be clothed? I believe so. And I think from start to finish when God was preparing the clothes and had to kill the animals and shed the blood from the very first moment till the time that they were clothed from beginning to end they were witness of what it took perhaps you'd have to put it this way maybe this should have been under the other heading this is the first time death was seen in the earth this was the, and more than that. This was the first time that putting something to death was seen in the earth. It didn't just die of itself; it was put to death. This is the very first time they saw. But they saw, and so we might ask the question: Were they horrified by what they had to witness? They had never seen a death before, or the flowing of blood. It is easy to imagine that they were utterly shaken by what that moment held, what it required, what their sin had brought to pass. Beyond that, we might ask, what animal did the Lord use to clothe the two? Well, we can't say for certain. But it would stand to reason that it was one that was in the list of those that were acceptable to the Lord in the book of Moses' sacrifices. Further, if the fact that Abel brought of the flock for his sacrifice and the Lord was pleased, it would make sense to think that the lamb was seen and understood by Adam and his offspring as the animal of sacrifice and covering. I'm not going far afield in this, but I think it's very... We, we don't understand. It's because there's such a gap in the words, perhaps, in the text. But Adam and Eve witnessed the sacrifice, I believe, of a lamb. They had to see that poor, innocent, helpless, as it were, lamb taken, even by the very hand of Jesus Christ himself, who in the days in which he was crucified was not killed of men. He laid down his own life that he might take it again. It was the Lord himself that made himself the sacrifice. Here again, in that day, the Lord Jesus takes the lamb, as it were, and he slays it before the sinner's eyes, and they see the horror of death coming over the, the face of that little lamb, and the blood flowing, and they realize this is ours. This is what happened to because of us. And this moment I say, When the Lord clothed them, vividly pictured the death of the Lord Jesus that was to come. And if we can accept that, it was the Lord Jesus himself that stood here to slay and cover. Two subsequent statements in scripture hold a powerful connection to this moment. You say, what are you saying? I want you to think about this as Christ himself was made the offering for sin he said it is finished the last words before he gives up the ghost as it were the lord began the work of covering sin by blood and clothing his people that day in eden he be, that's where it began The work was ultimately finished that day when the Lamb was slain. Bear that in mind. Christ, the coverer, the atoner, the propitiation of his people, from start to finish on the subject was the one who did the work. But also I think there's another statement in scripture that comes very vividly into our minds or we we see it under, it explains it at least in my thinking. If we consider Adam standing there at the scene of the slaying wearing his sin and then we see Christ doing the whole of the work to cover for sin, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, are given a full display. You say, what are you saying? What were those words? For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. There, see the picture? Here stands sinful, dying Adam. Here stands Christ, the provider of the clothing which makes Adam's sin to be covered. As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ and by his work, by his doing what needed to be done, shall all be made alive. Or again, you could go to Romans 5 and 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Same idea. Can you see Adam and Christ standing there as Christ clothes the two? The moment was very much the beginning of what was never to be forgotten. This moment was not to be forgotten by the people of God throughout time until there was the coming of Christ and he was nailed to Calvary's cross. And now that work also is never to be forgotten until the day the Lord Jesus comes and we find ourselves at a marriage supper. We are to never forget that message. We are covered by what the Lord Jesus provided by his death. We are here this morning to show that. I want you to see, secondly, and finally with me, the message. The message. What is presented to us as a truth or truths that we can say, oh yes, because of what you just said, I can conclude this. Well, I want you to see first, then, this. The message is There is only one answer for sin. There's only one answer. I want you to just allow your mind to think with me for a second. You know, if there was another remedy, another way in which the Lord could have taken care of Adam's and Eve's sin, other than this terrible occurrence... Wouldn't the Lord, who is all grace and mercy, have provided it? Well, you say, well, I think so. I think so too. But there is none. There is no other way. There is not a way in which man can be made acceptable and righteous in the sight of God, but by the shedding of blood. Or as Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So there you can take that message. It's very plainly stated, no matter what anybody wants to say today. Oh, we don't need the blood. That's not what God looks at. God looks at us as being his creation. He loves us. There is only one way in which sin can be dealt with, and that's by the shedding of blood. Second, we can conclude this. The answer, God's answer is sufficient. The answer is sufficient. You can note in the life of Adam, in the life of his sons, in the life of those that knew God after, the, after Adam, throughout all the days of the Old Testament, you can read and understand very plainly that Adam did not have to go searching for another or, another or additional means of making things right with God. He knew he didn't have to do anything more. He didn't he didn't have to say well I need to I need to reform my life I need to walk a different way I need to be I need to enhance my existence by this or that means he didn't go looking he knew this was the answer and it was sufficient to make him righteous in the sight of God not the sacrifice of the animal but what was being done by the hand of the Lord And I think the perpetuating of the sacrifices throughout the course of the Old Testament preached that truth. They did not cover for sin, but they reminded that God provides the removal of sin. And with them as it is with us, it is our place to believe and trust. The work of Jesus Christ is sufficient. The shedding of his blood is sufficient to wash away my sin. I don't have to look for another way. And I don't have to worry about whether When he applies that blood to me, is God going to say, well, it's enough? And then the third conclusion that I can make from this, one of encouragement, actually. We can conclude that the ability to walk with Christ in the cool of the day continues. Adam could still walk with God. You say, how do you know that? Because he did. And it was said particularly a couple of his Uh, descendants that they walked with God one of them so walked with God that the Lord took him that being Enoch it says of Noah that Noah was a man that was a, a friend of God he walked with God Job how many others David the friend of God Daniel who It is your opportunity. It is something that you can do. You can walk with Jesus Christ. Why? Because there has been the shedding of blood and the clothing of our hearts and lives and souls with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You don't have to wonder, well, maybe the Lord's not going to do it with me. I'm not this or I'm not that. That's the devil lying to you. You can walk with Christ You can walk with Christ. This walk, I would suggest to you, is the desire of Christ. It's not just that you would want to walk with Christ. Why did the Lord Jesus, and again, I'm saying that I'm supposing, and I think I'm right here, why did the Lord Jesus, as the pre-incarnate one, do this work for Adam and Eve? I think it's because he wanted to continue to walk with Adam and Eve. He wanted to continue to walk with these that he loved and created. I think perhaps this was in the mind of John when John writes in 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have... See if these words sound like this whole setting. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You can walk with Christ. Why? Because his blood cleanses from all sin. How much sin? All sin. I can walk with the Lord Jesus. Yes. Where can I walk? In the light. Right now? Yes. How about tomorrow? Yes. And clothed them. What words? And clothed them. Again, that is an action. Again, keep it in your mind. The clothing of Adam and Eve was an act on the part of God. What was the act? The act was slaying. The act was allowing blood to be seen. The act was taking that which was of the innocent and the pure and applying it to the guilty. Has the Lord Jesus done that for us? I want you to answer that for yourself this morning. Has the Lord Jesus done that for you? Then what are you going to do today? Well, I'm going to come to his table and I'm going to remember that. I'm going to show his death. I'm going to show the slaying of the lamb. And I'm going to worship him. I am going to worship him for what he did because I am as guilty as Adam. In Adam I died just like him and yet in Christ I'm made alive and I can go on with my God. I can walk with him. No fellowship with him. Why? Because of what he did. and what he did. Well may the Lord allow his word to reach our hearts and to prepare us to meet with him at the table. Amen. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, now we would pray that as we come to this time around the table of the Lord, that thou wouldst enable us by the Spirit of God to remember that the Lord Jesus lay down his life as the Lamb of God, that he might take away the sin of the world, and not just the sin of the world generally, but he took away my sin when he took that sin away. And now I wear a new garment. I wear a new dress, which was not my own. It was provided for me. It was given to me. It was made for me. And now I wear it. And no man is going to take it off me. But forever will I show the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we pray that you will allow us now to know a time with yourself at the table. Prepare us, we pray. By thy spirit we ask in Jesus' name, amen.